0: Father, we celebrate your name today and you, Father God, Lord Jesus, because of what you have done and are doing in our lives. God, you are the great physician. You are the great healer. And you still perform miracles today, Lord Jesus, and we thank you for that. I thank you for answered prayer this week. I thank you for your spirit and your presence this week and so many different things from um, I think about Ann Perry and the hospital, Lord, and just... You know, healing that is already taking place there, and I pray for answers, and I pray, Father, for um, you know continued healing there. God, does she not deal with that anymore? Um, Father, I thank you for your great comfort and the Allen and Wooten family this week and all that they've been through and the loss of their dad and husband. And Father, just what you have done through that service and how you've reached lives and how you have caused us to kind of all of us to rethink and to refocus and lord i thank you for that i thank you that uh, you are with us in all those things and you're with us in this place today and i pray lord jesus as we learn more about you and your character and your heart god that we we are moved to change that we are moved Father, to know that we serve a great God, a living Savior who is still in the business of meeting us in our deepest needs, still in the business, God, of healing and miraculous things. Um, but it's it's in it's in our our step to you, Lord Jesus. And I pray, God, that we see that today. I pray for those that are hurting, and maybe there's some here today that need a miracle. I pray there's some here today that need an answered prayer. That, father they don't give up they hear today from you and your word what they need to hear may it be alive may it pierce us and change us cut us father in a powerful way that we be moved we thank you thank you for your power lord jesus and our salvation in you we ask it in the power of jesus name and everybody said amen amen awesome Well, I don't know about you, but man, has life been busy the last couple of weeks? Man, I tell you, it's like, whoa, what's going on? A lot of stuff. I was talking to Leland the other day at the funeral, and it's like, man, there is stuff every night. There's all this going on. It's hard to keep our head above water, right? Right? And when I think about this series that we're in as we're learning about the character of Jesus, and I think as we're studying that nature of Jesus and and what he is and what he came to do and what it means to be his follower, there are things that we can ignore about that. Just like as we get busy, we miss things, right? And one of the things I think that we can ignore in his ministry and about him was the very many miracles that he performed during his time on earth. I think we gloss over that, I think we think about that, wow, you know, it's Jesus, right? He's God in the flesh, of course he's going to perform miracles. But there's a lot to learn about that in our lives today. You know, when I look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, there are at least, that we can, we can document it and definitely tell, 64 different miracles there. 64 miracles that he wanted to make sure we got, <laughs> Understood, see. Don't worry, I'm not going through all 64 miracles today. It might feel like it. No, I'm just kidding. But wow, and and, and we know at least three occasions the gospel writer says Jesus performed many miracles and healed many people that aren't even documented there. So when you read the gospels, you see that this was a significant aspect of his ministry not just something we should just gloss over. Miracles weren't a sometimes event, they were a frequent occurrence. So that begs the question, what do the miracles mean? Why did Jesus do so many? Why was he doing them? And why wh- 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 was it because it was for show or to prove that he really was the son of God? Were there other reasons? what about today? Does Jesus perform miracles today or was it only in the time that he was here on earth? We're going to look at that. I want to start with something that we all know, but Hebrews 13.8 says, the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? And that tells me, and there's other verses, but that particular one especially, what he could do yesterday, he can do today. I believe that with all my heart. He hasn't changed. He's at work all around the world, answering prayers, touching people's lives. There are walking miracles in this place today where he has done that. And it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for his divine intervention. We see his power at work, and it can happen in your life. I believe that, and we're going to talk about how that happens today. I do think we have to begin with this. I've got to cover a lot of ground, so bear with me, okay? And I'm going to probably talk fast at times, but bear with me. Because I think we, we have to begin with this understanding of the meaning and the motives behind the miracle that Jesus performed. When I talk about miracles, obviously for a running definition, if you want, we're talking about things that Jesus did to override, so to speak, natural events, things that could not have happened apart from God's intervention. We know, as we've heard the stories, and we'll look at a few today, Jesus did a lot. I mean, he healed people of all kinds of afflictions. He delivered those who were even oppressed by the devil. He raised two people from the dead. He fed thousands of people. He walked on water. He calmed the storm, as the song we just sang. He did many more things. But what did these miracles mean? Why did he perform them? And I want to talk you through some observations I think help us understand that. The first observation is this. Jesus healed people despite all the risks that came with it. What do you mean, Russ? What were the risks? Why bring that up? Well, there were a few. One risk was that he would be seen as just this miracle worker rather than the Messiah. And that was important. You know, one of the things he talked about as we talked about a few weeks ago or he showed was that he didn't want to be he he would he would heal people and say, "Don't tell anyone." And the reason, again, that we talk about that, and as we look at this, he, he wanted people to see him as the Messiah, that people would focus not on the flashy healing or the flashy thing that he could do for them now in the moment, but rather focus on the eternal significance of his teaching. You mean, what do you mean, Russ? Well, after Jesus fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread and a couple of fish, the very next day, he and the disciples went away to be alone, and a crowd came looking for him. I want us to pick up, you have your Bibles, John chapter 6, verse 22. It says, The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but they had gone away alone. And then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. And once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. This is great. This is a great passage, but we we kind of pass over this first part, and that's where I'm actually going to stop. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you are the loaves and had your fill Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So, you know, obviously right there, as they come and they find him, and they're they're figuring out Jesus is saying, Listen, the, the miracles, the signs, don't be paying attention to that. There's something much bigger at stake here. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. You see, there was a risk involved, and the risk is as real today as it was back then. What are you talking about, Russ? This. Many come today, come to Christianity today not for the right questions which is the attitude that says what is true what is real what really matters what it matters for all eternity or what does it really mean to be a christ father what does it really mean to walk in obedience no people come today with an attitude that says where are the benefits today right now what can i get out of it right now what can jesus do for me today and the paradox is this he can do Way far and above anything that we can imagine, and he will. But when we focus on the very flash of the Christian life, we focus on nothing but getting our needs met in the moment. We miss out on what it really means to live a life in Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus knew from the very beginning that he was this was one of the risks involved in performing miracles many would miss the point of what being a follower was all about they would see these miracles they would see these healings and they would miss it but yet jesus knew there was still something much bigger at stake and so he continued to heal people so there's that risk and and there was another risk that happened and it was this the miracles that jesus performed that they would cause the religious leaders to view him as a threat to the status quo. I mean, when you look in John chapter 5, you see the story of Jesus healing a man who had been sick for 38 years. And when does it happen? It happens on the Sabbath. And so it resulted in this confrontation with religious leaders who believed it was a sin to heal somebody on the day of rest, on the Sabbath. John says that the Jewish leaders began doing this, harassing Jesus persecuting jesus because he performed this miracle on the sabbath there's another story it was a very short time later y'all know this story probably but one of jesus closest friends a man uh, the name of lazarus he dies while jesus is away and you you probably remember the story but jesus arri- eventually arrives after waiting a couple of days he arrives In Bethany, he he goes to the place of Lazarus' burial. Jesus then tells him to roll away the stone. Martha's there. She objects, saying, in effect, he's been in there for four days. His body has no doubt begun to decompose. Let's look at John 11, beginning of verse 40, what Jesus does. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? can you imagine what it was like to experience that? Wow, that's the power of Jesus, and that is the power that is still here today. Now we got to understand that that day was a very important thing because that miracle—it was a turning point in his ministry. Because of this miracle, it was this miracle that the religious leaders got together and decided Jesus has become too powerful now. Something's got to be done. And for the sake of the nation, this Jesus must die. Jesus healed Lazarus knowing the risks and the cost. He knew if he raised Lazarus from the dead that there was going to be some repercussion. And he did it anyway. Why did he do it? It Leads me to the second observation that we're learning about this. And it's this. Jesus, sometimes Jesus healed people to teach a spiritual truth. To teach a spiritual truth. I want to take us to Mark chapter 2, if you have your Bibles. Mark chapter 2. Many of you know the story. Four men bringing their friend to Jesus to be healed. Let's pick up in verse 3. So men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, circle that, underline that, when he saw their faith, He said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, and they're thinking to themselves, what does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk? But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the man, "I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home." And he got up, took his mat, and walked in front view of them all, and this amazed everyone, and they were praising and they were praising God, saying, "We've never seen anything like this." Now, check this out. The very next chapter, look what happens. Jesus is in the synagogue again on the Sabbath. And a man with a shriveled hand's there. Look at Mark chapter three, beginning of verse two. Some of them were looking for reasons to accuse Jesus. Remember, they're upset already, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal them on the Sabbath. Just waiting. Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, "Stand up in front of everyone." And then Jesus asked them, "Which is lawful on the Sabbath: to do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill?" But they remained silent. And he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. But look at this. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. I could go on, but these are two great examples. He used these moments to make a point, to teach a spiritual truth and can i just say this any doctrine that prevents you as we look at that last story story specifically if there's any doctrine that prevents you from doing good when you can do good it is not good doctrine in fact it's bad religion you see this created a backlash Obviously, it ultimately led to the, the prophecy fulfilled and Jesus dying for our sin, but, but they're here they're, they're starting to, the plot to kill Jesus. Why would Jesus heal someone if it was going to lead to this? Why would he do that? Very simple reason. The third observation. Jesus healed because he cared about people. He cared about people. Jesus was moved. He was motivated by compassion. We see this over and over. I mean, just take the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 14, 14. When Jesus landed, saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, and he healed the the sick. Matthew 15, 32, he called the disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days, have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way. Matthew 20, verse 34, Jesus had compassion on them, touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight and followed him. I want to tell you something about Jesus in case you don't know it or you need to be reminded as we see about Jesus all through the gospels. He cares about people. I, can I just be honest? I am so tired of the church talking about all they're doing and they don't care about people. I don't care if we go do missions 50 times down the road. If we don't truly love people, love each other in this room, love the people that we're serving in the missions, you can just kiss it away. When you look at Jesus, his heart goes, especially to those who are hurting and to those that are helpless, yes. He cares, and not only to the extent that he healed people at his own personal risk, but to the extent for you and I and the world that he was willing to go to the cross to die for our sins. And I'm so thankful his compassion hasn't changed. He cares about people today. He cares about you. If you're going through something right now, I want you to know that he has compassion for you. He may, you may feel that he's distant. You may feel like your prayers aren't getting answered, but He is compassionate because it's His nature. He cannot not be loving of you, even in your failures. Now, if that wasn't enough, we really need to look at this fourth observation because this really sums it up. Jesus often healed people in response to their faith, that's crucial. I mean, there are numerous examples. Uh, Let me just give you a few, several instances in the Gospels where Jesus says something along these lines. Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith, let it be done to you. Mark 5, 34, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Your faith has healed you. Matthew 8, 13, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. Luke 17, 19, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Where is our faith? Now, I've got to tread lightly here because when we get into discussions about the power of faith, we have to be careful. What do you mean, Russ? Well, I don't want anyone to misunderstand the message of what faith is about because there are some who will say that if you've got problems in your life, it's because you have no faith. There are some that will say, if you're sick or if you're struggling financially, it's because you have no faith. I need to just say to you, with all of my heart, that isn't true. I've seen some of the most deep, faithful people in their walk still go through some very, very tough things. And I can't answer that all for you this morning. But we have to be careful because it sounds a little bit like we're saying, let's blame the victim in those kind of scenarios. I'll give you a quick story. Years ago, I was new in the ministry and one of the ladies in our church, her, her sister's husband was very, very sick. And the doctors, the doctors just didn't know. You know, sometimes when you're uh, they they can't figure out exactly what's going on with you, what the timetable looks like, and, and 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 you know, could you completely recover from this or not? Sometimes they don't know. And this was kind of the case in this story. And um, this lady in our church, her her sister, uh, you know, was a very um, strong Christian, strong faith, um, very involved, very serving, very uh, involved in her church, all those kind of things, and. Uh, the only thing she needed to, knew to do was to, you know, go to her pastor, talk to her pastor, pray with her pastor, have her pastor come, pray with her husband. And the pastor goes and he, he prays and he says to the wife and to the rest of the family right there in the hospital room, he says, I have prayed and God has told me he is going to live. Three days later, he died. And I I don't want to get into all the explanations, but that family, specifically that wife, thought that that pastor heard from God and that he was going to live. And she believed every bit of that. My point being, I have no doubt that that woman had faith. I have no doubt that that family was praying earnestly for that loved one. But he didn't live. Praise God. He knew Christ and he went on to glory. I just think we have to be careful as we talk about that faith element. Yet at the same time, listen to me, we shouldn't blame our problems on a lack of faith, as I said, but at the same time, neither should we ignore what the Bible says about the power of faith. And I say to you on the other side of that, man, are we really walking in that kind of faith and belief? I'm afraid we've gotten so busy in our lives, we kind of just sit back. I, I was praying with Rick Isles this morning, and, 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 and before we prayed, I, I, I kind of prayed in my spirit. And then as we prayed, I actually prayed it. I was like, Lord, I'm afraid because we are so busy and we have got so much going on in our lives and, and our plates are full and all those kind of things that we sometimes we just sit back and say, okay, God, whatever you do, we're ready. Whatever you don't do, I guess we're ready, whatever. And the problem is, is we've never exercised our faith. We've never exercised our asking. We've never bowed our hearts and our heads and our and our being before the Lord God Almighty. Because we just go, oh God, you're God, you'll do what you want to do and take care of it. And you know what God is maybe wanting? It's for us to exercise our faith and be active. I can't can't help but look what Jesus said in Mark 11, 23. It's probably on the screen. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. I believe that Jesus said that. But now, here's where we mess it up. Jesus isn't saying here that if you believe, you can tell God what to do and how to do it. It doesn't say here, just like I go to the drive thru and order my Chick fil A order, that it's gonna be just like that. No, he's saying if you believe, you can overcome whatever that problem is, you can conquer any challenge that your life brings. Why? Because miracles flow from active faith. In every miracle of the Bible, they had to do something. Isn't that fascinating? They had to do something, and God then met them at their point of faith. I'll show you a quick story, watch this.
1: Missouri's going to blitz up the middle, and they do. Johnson in trouble, quick screen, gets it off to Williams, breaks the tackle, 10, 5, touchdown Kentucky! To really understand Steven Johnson, the SEC quarterback, it's imperative to learn of his battle as a boy. At the age of eight, Stephen was diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome, a disease for which there is no cure, affecting less than 10% of the U.S. population. Stephen says he can't remember living without it. When you were younger, you were diagnosed with Tourette's. When did you begin noticing the
2: effects of that? I just always remembered having it, the different symptoms that really came along with it. I just remembered since my first memory, really. As a child,
1: Steven excelled in sports. In fact, there weren't many that he didn't play. And athletics became a safe haven from the symptoms of Tourette's.
2: The only time I really didn't see it was playing sports. It was really odd. I mean, starting a practice, it would stop all the symptoms. And then as soon as practice was over, get in the car, it would start right back up again.
1: Though the Johnsons were doing everything they could, including administering homeopathic medicine, they hurt for their oldest son.
2: It was tough, you know, thinking that he's going to have to deal with this for the rest of his life. It was um, painful. As mothers, we want to fix things. And um, he would come home, and he would literally sit on that couch right there. And um, all the ticks would come out. To sit there and watch him um, and not being able to do anything about it, it was, um, it was a hard time. It was a hard time.
1: Dealing with that all the time,
2: what does it do to a young kid? It made me really kind of introverted and shy. Um, didn't have as many friends. Kind of stayed to myself, knowing people looked at me different, um, saw the way I acted, um, even though I couldn't help it. It was really kind of hard.
1: Stephen's parents raised him in a Christian home, and they believed in the power of prayer. One night, overwhelmed by his struggle, Stephen prayed.
2: I broke down in tears that night, um, asking the Lord to just take this from me, really just struggling friend-wise with school. He um, just wanted it to be normal, and, and just wanted to have it just taken away from me. The
1: next morning, Stephen knew he was healed.
2: I went into his room, and I um, I said, Stephen, wake up. It's time for your medicine. And he woke up and he said, Mom, I'm not taking that medicine anymore. I'm healed. And it was as simple as that. Woke up the next morning. I just felt a difference. Lord healed me just right then and there. He had such a peace about him. They're like, you really sure that, that that happened? You have faith, but you you also have doubts. And so I was always asking him, how you feel? how you feel? How you feel? I was like, yeah, I'm I, I'm healed. Um, and since then, I just haven't had any of the symptoms ever. And finally, Paul had to tell me, stop asking how he feels. He said he feels good. And um, we just never asked anymore. Did you know at that, at
1: that time that it was God that did it?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it was just no other way to describe it. Waking up that morning really was just divine, um, how the Lord really worked in that.
1: Through patience in his struggles and a dependence upon God, Steven has become poised, fearless, and tested. Johnson's right side. Nope, four-man rush. Johnson's got time. He is throwing deep, middle of the field. Got a man open. It's caught. Touchdown,
0: Kentucky!
2: Playing in the SEC, being a Division One quarterback, that's uh, a really big thing. You know, it's hard to try to humble yourself sometimes, and you have to really stay in tune with the Lord and read your Bible, even though everything around here tells you that, you know, you're the man, you're the guy. Um, you really have to put God first, and all that.
1: And by putting God first, Stephen knows that even though life may bring adversity, there is one who will be with him till the end.
2: I couldn't have gone here, to where I'm at right now, just without um, my Lord. I think you know everybody in the world should know about Jesus. He's my Savior. You know, he's my best friend. Just keeping him close to me at all times is something I have to do, just to be able to continue going. With everything I've done, everything that I've gone through, um, he's been right there with me um, every step of the way.
0: Amen. I think that's awesome. Here's a kid who shows us what the power of faith is. It doesn't mean that we dictate to God how our life's going to turn out in every single detail. But it does mean that as we ask, we're going to conquer one way or another. He may not deliver us completely, but he's going to help us face every challenge that comes our way because Jesus always responds to faith. I think for us, what's hard is we often see life in terms of the present moment. We only see sometimes things that is urgent today. We need that bill paid now. We need to be delivered from this thing right now. I need help in my marriage right now. I need a job right now, but what do we have to remember? Jesus sees us in our lives in the context of the big picture, just not just this moment. For this reason, his perspective is what matters much greater than ours. And that's what we have to tune into, to learn to see life from his perspective. Now, I want to give you some takeaways before we go, because some of you today, you may need a miracle. Some of you today, you may know someone that does today if you need that i want you to know two things first you can bring your needs to jesus and he is going to hear them you can lay them at his feet you can ask for his help and be sure that he cares about your situation because as we already learned he has compassion for you he cares about you he cares deeply about you when you have a need you can bring it to jesus second is this i want you to know that when you bring your need to jesus you can be sure that he's going to respond to your request you can take it to the bank Jesus responds to faith, and the mere act of asking for his help is a show of faith. So don't let that discourage you. Trust him to give you the power to conquer whatever situation you may face according to his will. So how do I do that, Russ? I see what you're saying, but how do I put my faith into action? Points of action, really quickly. Number one is this. Have you done everything you know to do and are capable of doing the things you can control, have you done everything that you are capable of doing and you can do yourself? For instance, if you do not have a job, are you actively looking for a job? It kills me when people are like, I can't get a job. Are you looking? No. No. Do everything in your power that you can do. Uh, if you're struggling with illness... Of any sort, have you sought all the medical attention and help that you can to help you? Because I believe God has given us that to help us. And sometimes we can be frustrated with it, especially the cost of it. <laughs> Sorry if there's any medical people here. But no, you see what I'm saying? Like, But have we done everything that we can do? Because if we aren't doing, willing to do that, how can we expect a miracle? Second, have you done everything you've been counseled to do? Many times we go, we seek counseling, or we go to our brother and sister in Christ. God gives us that input, I believe, with all of my heart, to help us and to guide us. But you have to start with this. You have to get rid of the title of CEO of your life. You, you, can't ever, you can't ever take that from someone else or a counselor or anything as long as you're still going to be in control and be CEO of your life. Get rid of that. Seek counsel from others before making decisions in your own self and in your own power. What else? Have you removed all impediments to prayer? Have you removed all of that? And we've got a lot of them. Our busyness that we've talked about, all our calendars full, we've got a lot of impediments. But for some of us, we need to start here, and it starts with our sin. These aren't comfortable, I get it. But God wants to see that faith, right? He wants to see us. Are we willing to confess our sin before him and say, Lord, I have failed you. I've sinned against you, holy God. I confess this, I repent of this. As long as we're walking around still in habitual sin, sin that we are not asking forgiveness of, sin that we're not broken of, how can we expect a miracle? Right? Right? I'll let that sit. Another one. Are you praying in that faith and expectancy that we just talked about? Are you truly praying in that faith and expectancy? It kills me in the church that we do not pray with expectation from God. Not that we're putting him in a box, but man, we, 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 we make God way smaller than he is. Man, are we expecting, are we expecting that as we go and we pray earnestly for our loved one, as we pray for our neighbors, we pray for that situation, can I just tell you what really hurts my heart and bothers me is that there are, bear with me, there are folks that are not Christians that pray harder than those that have a relationship with Christ. They, they, they know that, hey, they're, they're at a, a, a place of need and need healing. They're willing to ask for that higher power. Yet we who have a relationship with the great almighty God, we don't pray with that expectancy. expectancy. Matthew 21, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. I believe that. Lastly, are you praying for God's glory as the motive? Yes, we want our loved one healed. Yes, we want this taken from us and what we're going through. But what should our motive be? God, your glory be. Your glory be revealed. Your glory be honored. If this healing or this removing of this or what I'm praying for, if it doesn't bring glory to you. You see, ultimately as we look at Scripture, so we look at the stories of the miracles and the healings, it was all to bring glory to God, not for the healing themselves. Yes, when you put your faith in him, there are going to be times when you will rise and walk. When you put your faith in him, there's going to be times that that storm is silenced. When you put your faith in him, there's going to be times that the floodgates of heaven are open and blessings are poured out upon you. Yet there will also be times when you put your faith that there's going to be times when you conquer the mountain in a different way. I believe that. There are going to be times when you conquer the mountain by becoming bigger than the mountain. There are going to be times when you overcome the affliction by becoming stronger than the affliction itself. When you defeat the problem by becoming even tougher than the problem. I believe, as we've talked about, when we need a miracle, we can pray for the miracle because it will come in one way or another and don't make the mistake of thinking that God's intervention In this one moment, though, is what matters most of all. Why? Why do you say that, Russ? Do you remember the verse we read in John 6 27 at the beginning? He said, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Wow. There's much more at stake than a miracle. I know for some, what we would see is a miracle never comes, but we forget the greatest miracle of all, and that's the gift of salvation. That whatever we endure on this earth and in this life, that Jesus is still the miracle worker and he cares about us, but we can't forget that the miracle is just the beginning if he even gives us what we would call the miracle here on earth. What matters is what happens in eternity. So I want to ask you to bow your heads. And I want to just talk us through a couple things. As I said, the greatest miracle of all is our salvation in the Lord Jesus. The forgiveness of sin and salvations from the chains of hell is the greatest miracle of all the miracles that we could look at or talk about. Why? Because we are born dead in our sin. When you come into this world, you are born dead in sin. And I love what the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2. What does that mean? That means that God has authored a resurrection for your life and my life, taking us from being dead to making us alive. Some of you today, are you ready for the greatest miracle that you can have in your life? Give your life to Christ. If you're watching online, give your life to Christ. I'm going to be down front. If that's you today, come. Come receive the greatest miracle that you could ever receive. For others of us in this room today, maybe you need a miracle. If that's you, I can't think of a better place than to be in God's house asking of God. At your seat, at this altar, an act of worship, what is he calling you to do? Maybe for some of you, where's your faith? Maybe for some of you, have you done everything you know to do that you're capable of doing? For some of you, have you done everything you've been counseled to do? Have you removed all those impediments to prayer? Are you praying in faith and expectancy? Are you praying for God's glory as your motive? If you're not, that's where you need to start today, right there. Maybe you need to come and pray for that person, that loved one, that situation. What a better time to do that. We have some prayer counselors that will be down here too. If you'd like to come pray with someone, talk with someone, they'd love to pray with you about situation, what that need is. I pray we respond in faith. Even as we sing these words together, do we believe them in our hearts? Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your promises. I thank you for your goodness, and I thank you, God, that you still do miracles today. I know sometimes the question, is wonders in our minds. Why don't we see people being raised from the dead today? Why don't, why don't we see, we're, they're, they're seeing it in churches in Asia and other places. I can't answer that exactly, but I do know this. It begins with our faith. It begins with our prayer of earnestness to you and our belief in that you are an almighty God. And you are still in the miracle business. And so, Lord, I pray today that we be praying that way. We be praying earnestly. And I know sometimes those answers don't come like we want them. But that's where we trust you and we give you all the praise. And we still praise you even when the storms come, right? May we do that in this place today. Father, move us. May we respond in faith all over this place, maybe to know you as Savior and Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing to our feet. You come, you come.